Hey, listeners, before we get started, just wanted to say uh, we are talking to actor Leeway Land today. And if you wanted to follow along and see his previous works, check out the links in my episode description. You'll have some links to some of his uh, short films as well as clips from his recent uh, appearance in the show Legion. I also wanted to say this episode was taped before the announcement of the actors portraying uh, Shang-Chi and the Mandarin, which is super exciting for this podcast because we did we previously did an episode previewing this movie and talking the comic book origins. So listeners, definitely stay tuned for an episode discussing the casting choices as well as what Jeff Liu and I think will be the storyline for Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And now, Li Wei Lan. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Wang Bang Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm super, super pumped today about this episode. Uh, I'm interviewing a very good friend of mine who is an actor in L.A. He's got an amazing story to tell. Uh, We're really excited here to talk to him. Uh, But first, I'm going to bring on a guy that nobody needs to get excited about. Jeffrey Liu, how are you? Hey, guys. (laughs) My self-esteem is through the floor with that introduction. (laughs) Hey, guys, what's going on? He's a man that needs no introduction since he's basically my only guest on this podcast so which is why we are very very pumped today to have a new guest on the podcast a very good friend of mine from my days in new york city mr lee way lan how are you i'm good man how's it going guys awesome awesome. lovely to be here thanks for having me yeah man and you know i've i've been wanting to do this for a while ever since you know you broke the news that you were getting into acting uh you and i were teammates in New York City in one of the the best basketball teams out there, I would say. <laughs> That's right. That's we, right. We tore up a uh, Rucker Park. Um, <laughs> we got uh, we were we were the legendary <laughs> Splash Chinks. Sure, sure. We were we were also uh, uh, killing it at the, at this elementary school court next to Rucker Park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those damn twelve year old girls, man. I, I I do remember that day. It was it was somewhere in Flushing. Oh yeah, and a very, very, very. Uh, it was a very small court with uh, some questionable competition. I think they might have been at least nine years old. Maybe they were ten. At, at, least, at yeah. least, yeah, yeah. All right, let's give ourselves credit. They were at least ten yeah. years old. All right, exactly. Picking on grade schoolers again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a win's a win. All right, Jeff. You, all right, you old you, man. You, you wouldn't know anything about that. Oh, burn. <laughs> but anyway, uh. I was really pumped about doing this, you know, uh, over July 4th, you and I met up for a beer in New York City. And yeah, um, mm-hmm. at that time, I, I didn't even know you had moved to L.A. When I reached out to mm-hmm. you, I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to be back in New York. Would love to meet up and catch up. Uh, and you just happened to be in New York City at the same time. And That's you right. said, sure, let's hang out. And uh, I guess the universe wanted us to yeah. do this podcast together. So yeah, I kept my move to LA pretty quiet from everybody because um, honestly, I was a, I left New York kicking and screaming. Um, I was flying back and forth. Uh, to be honest, I think I flew like back and forth like four times in the span of five months, and I was oh, I was kind of living by coastal at that time. But yeah, you know, uh, LA's been. 
LA's been good to me. I'm lucky. I'm a really lucky guy. Um, I had a terrific run in New York, and now I'm uh, starting things in Los Angeles. You know, getting a new environment, and uh, so far so good. Yeah, yeah, and you you got back to LA just in time for the Lakers to be uh, somewhat relevant again. But well, that's the exact reason why I came back. I mean, that's the <laughs> only reason. The Clippers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I, 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 for, for people that don't that don't know me, I, I I grew up in Orange County, so and and uh, I didn't speak English at a young age. I, I spoke Mandarin as my first language, and before I could speak English. Um, in grade school, I, I knew the entire Lakers squad's name. That's just at, yeah, at school I was just like Cedric Sabalas. Oh my god, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> those were my heroes at the time. You know, Byron Scott, oh three point specialist. That was those are that was who I was, and I have to say I am a Laker fan, um, and by my in, in my heart. Uh, but the Clippers, you know, they they're always there. They've I've watched them try their best you know then those days with <laughs> sam cassell and and uh, Katino mobley and elton brand they they really did put together a roster they've always tried to put together a roster that can compete um it just didn't work out in their favor i think they always get players in the twilight of their their careers right they get stars that's kind of edging towards later of their careers and they just somehow just didn't doesn't didn't really make it and then later on they have Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and all that drama. So I'm happy. I'm as a Laker fan, I respect the Clippers organization. I'm glad that Donald Sterling doesn't own that team anymore, and I'm very happy that that Kawhi made that decision to go to a team that um, has always been little brother to Lakers. But I mean, Lakers in four. (laughs) Shut up. Little brother grew up. <laughs> Little brother grew up. All right. Well, let, let's take this back to uh, Leeway and his story. Leeway, you have a, a pretty decorated career in the arts. And for those of you who listen to this podcast and are from Limbrick High School, Leeway is actually a former bandmate of the Tony Chung, uh, current models, former pop star Tony Chung. So that's really how I got the introduction to Leeway, and I think that's kind of your your, your first dabbling in the arts. Yes, uh, yeah, there's uh, over a decade ago, I was in I was in Taiwan, I was in Taipei, and, and honestly, I was just a small musician. I, I played a violin, I played at, I was a jazz violinist. I played, you know, in restaurants, <laughs> weddings, just in the background. Um, I dabbled in R&B, uh, some hip-hop, some production here and there. Um, but eventually that led to opportunities for me to work with a few record labels out in Taiwan. I played for artists on their singles. Um, I've helped artists put together their singles. I've met some amazing, incredible musicians. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of, a, a lot of cities like Chicago and New York or Paris. I mean, there's great musicians there, of course. But I mean, if you get a chance to check out Taiwan, get a chance to check out Shanghai or Beijing, there's some really amazing artists, uh, Asian artists um, out there that are doing amazing things. And they bring a, a new flavor, a different flavor than the Western culture uh, with their art. You know, and that, that, of course, led to opportunities to be in this small band called <laughs> Cool Silly, who I met, where I met Tony Chung, and we became close. And from that, I just kind of um, met, started to... I guess I've met a lot of people who knew how to monetize their art, and I met agents and managers, uh, and that kind of 
led to opportunities for auditions for acting in um, Asia. That was really where acting started for me. It was I was a musician, and I was only planning on playing music, but somehow it just kind of one person I met one person to another person. We hung out, and then the next we made music, and we did this, we did that, and then all of a sudden I'm in a band. And the next thing I know, I'm going into auditions to to try acting. And it's been a wild ride ever since that. Did you audition for any of the Taiwanese soaps, like the Meteor Garden, the I reboot did. in Meteor Garden? Yes, I did. I never got the part. And the one thing I will, I always will, always forever remember is that the one critique that almost every casting director has for me um, was that my skin was too dark. <laughs> um, I swear to God. And it, maybe a little sad at that time. I was, you know, naive. I was early twenties, and they just kept telling me your your skin is too dark. That's just not a thing that I guess the Taiwanese audience or I don't know <laughs> people in China in general. Yeah, I guess they'll contact my manager at the time or my agent, and then they would tell me, oh, they were concerned that you know you're a little dark than what they're looking for. Um, and then, yeah, and, and I was definitely kind of a little bit sad about that, but. It is what it is, you know. That's 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 China. So I'm not there anymore. Um, yeah. That was my experience that I I took from that, and now I'm in a much better place. So what brought you to New York then? I just wanted to be around other artists. At the time, I was in Taiwan. Um, the band had just broke up. The three of us, there was three members, and the three of us decided to pursue different things. And I was thinking where where I should go. Um, and I know Tony was in New York City and he started um, his modeling career over there. And I was thinking, oh, man, maybe I just go hang out with Tony for a while. So I just went to New York. I hung out with Tony. But from that experience, I met more artists. And I realized um, I'm a very people person. Um, I love being around other artists. I love being around people who are just kind of like fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want in my life because I'm passionate about it. I'm just going to go and, and make this thing or I'm just going to go and, and try this thing that nobody has ever done before. And a lot of people are doing that in New York City, and I just kind of stayed in New York City. I just love that that passion and that drive from them, and I feed off of it. And I knew I wanted to continue to act or play music, um, so I played. I did play some classical music um, in an orchestra, in Upper East Side for for a couple of years before I got into acting in New York City. When it, before I really took on acting more seriously at the oh, time. Oh, by, by the way, Leeway, Jeff Liu hates anybody who talks about New York City That's, in a fun. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't 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 condition don't condition this podcast on on prejudices that were that were grown by you. All right. <laughs> There's, there's no one else responsible for that except you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Liu doesn't like hearing about the different neighborhoods in New York City. So when you talk about the Upper East Side, you speak very slowly in a very humble manner. And maybe Jeff Liu won't won't start crying or being offended. Well, I didn't live there. I, I don't know if that helps a little bit. I wish I lived there. <laughs> It is a beautiful place. It's, it's a lot of golden retrievers, and <laughs> it's uh, a lot of donuts there. So pretty good bagels. Very good bagels. Everything I know about New York is either from uh, uh, Special Victims Unit, um, the Jay-Z song, or Alicia Keys. That's it. It's exactly like the way they describe it. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> you basically lived there already, Jeff. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good, guys. <laughs> yeah. okay. So, Leeway, yeah, sorry I cut you off, but you were saying you you played in an uh, played in an orchestra. How did you actually you get involved in the acting community in New York City then? Yeah. So you know, I I, I didn't acting in in China, and I remembered what it felt like to act um, that freedom and and just being almost like leaving this universe, going to the alternate universe. And I wanted to chase that feeling. Um, so I just got involved again, um, taking my experiences that I had in China and I brought it over here. And I um, first, um, I just auditioned uh, for some small indie stuff and, and some student films. I was back in like, you know, 2010s, um, early 2010s. Um, and then slowly, one day just got a phone call from, from management, a management that was interested in me, and and I ended up going with with this gentleman named uh, Fabio, who's an incredible manager um, that I still have to, to tell this day. So he kind of guided me with what training I need to take, what path I need to go, and um, just kind of stayed with that team ever since then. Yeah. Would you say that like you wouldn't have had the same sort of opportunities if you hadn't run into the right people? Then absolutely, of course. I think, okay. um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I mean, I guess, I guess that's one of the big things that people don't like, um, have a clear answer to one way or the other when they're thinking about going into acting is like how much of it is like, um, fostering relationships with people and like kind of, I mean, you said earlier that you were a really social person. I mean, uh, do you, do you think that that contributed at, um, at all to your ability to like find people that would help you out in this industry? Yes and no. Um, I think with, with acting, directors are always looking for all sorts of types of people, right? Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of characters on screen that we see. Some of them are like me, very outgoing, very um, people person. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy that'll just, I could talk to anybody for pretty mm-hmm. long time. Um, then there's people who's very shy and very introverted and very quiet and doesn't want to, t- doesn't have a lot to say. So I think it, it doesn't matter who you are, but I think the more important thing is you have to understand, you have to come from the right attitude and the understanding of why you want to act. Mm-hmm. If your attitude is right and your heart is in the right place, no one's going to say no to you. Even if you don't meet all the powerhouse agents or even if you don't meet any of the powerhouse managers, if if you're a person who is dedicated to the craft and that is what you do, agents and managers will flock to you and they mm-hmm. will find you because they're constantly looking for people. They're constantly looking for, for the right talent to, to sell them to the filmmakers that will put you on screen, that are also looking for you, that also hope that you're out there and they're trying to find you. Um, so I think for aspiring actors and, and people who want to act – um, try to ask yourself, you know, why are you doing this? Because um, there's so many different people that's in this industry. Um, and the people that I see that quit and the people that I see that continue on, um, there is a trend to their values and, and, you know, why they do what they do. Mm. So there's kind of a smell test, like whether, I mean, if you're only in it for like, the the perceived fame or anything like that and you're not willing to put in the work people can actually people can perceive that after like a short enough time absolutely and that's why we have the casting process i mean the Mm -hmm. moment you walk in the energy that you bring into the room what are you bringing into that room 
Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people put a lot of um, this emphasis on like, I gotta be Instagram famous or I gotta be sexy. I gotta have abs. You know, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta get calf implants. I gotta get, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you guys watch Entourage when, when John right. no, 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 no. calf in, implants. That cracked me up. Anyways, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, um, you know, if your heart's in the right place, I, I promise you someone's gonna see it. And I promise you that you're gonna carve a road for yourself. And at the end of the day, you know, pri- acting is a very private thing. It's it's for you and nobody else. Um, you know, when when you're you're able to step into a character's thoughts and and to get on this almost like it's almost like you're driving a train and now you you your train locks onto your character's track and you're just going forward. I don't know how to describe it to you guys, but it's it's some that I'll probably chase for. No, it's a feeling that I'll chase for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. and- Going back to you know being committed to the craft and all these things, I I, I do want to take this opportunity to transition into kind of how you built up your acting resume because we're gonna get into kind of your 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 big your big time role in in Legion in a second. But the uh, you know looking at your IMDb, you've been involved with a lot in a lot of you know a lot of indie film, a lot of you know YouTube shorts, and it's. It's been a huge commitment to the craft, which is something that I really admire about you, that you've been pursuing this since, you know, since I left New York City. So that was oof, like 2014, maybe even before then. And for you to stick with this for all this time, it, it, it really does take a lot of commitment and a lot of effort and a lot of dedication to what other people could perceive as smaller projects. I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think, I, I think to touch base on it, I think a lot of people will say, you know, it's dedication. The word that you, you use is dedication. The word that you use is that, um, you mean you, you dedicate yourself. So you work really hard and things like that. Um, but I think that's what differs from people who act and, and people who don't is because we don't see it as dedication. We don't see it as hard work. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like when you, what's the longest game that you ever played on like PS4 or whatever? Like for example, me, I play NBA 2K ever since I, ever since that thing ever came out, you know, like was it 2K4? I forget. Right. And I'm still playing it today. But if I play it today, by the way, I'll kick both of your asses. If you want. <laughs> but Hey, you need some some form of uh, imagination to for your Lakers to get wins. <laughs> so I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But, but if you look at, let's say we, we, we play NBA 2K, you wouldn't say if someone played 2K for so long and you say, wow, you're really dedicated to NBA 2K. You wouldn't because you would just say, oh, like, I love he loves NBA 2K. Let him play. I don't care. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, I would say that guy's a fucking loser, but I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Sorry, Leeway. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and and so I think that's why um, I'm able to to keep going on after all these years um, because I I just don't see it as a dedication. Honestly, every time I get to act, it's a moment that I get to leave all of my stress behind. Um, I say this a lot. I don't know if other actors look at it this way, but for me, it's a form of therapy. Um, I've never missed a class in acting school. I've never missed a class in any of my 
teachers. I've never missed an audition, rain or shine. I've never missed any of it, and not because I'm dedicated, uh, but because <laughs> that's what I run to for therapy with all the crap and, and all the things that and the pressure that life brings you. That moment I get in the audition room, that moment I get on stage, that's where I escape. Um, so, I mean, I perform in front of two people and I perform in front of 200,000 people. It makes no difference to me. That's it. I'm just there for me. That, that's funny that you say rain or shine. You, you live in L.A., so it's basically shine all day. Or shine. Hey, hey, yeah. we, get, we get some rain down here. Oh, you know. oh I'm sorry. In, in you, between you the droughts. To, <laughs> you, you, for, you forgot to turn off your sprinklers again, Jeff. <laughs> No, no, R. 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 Kelly's prison bus uh, took a detour <laughs> oh, next to my apartment. <laughs> That's when you know this podcast is a success when we end up talking about R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I actually got a question for you then, because uh, I mean, if you're one of those fortunate people that are able to kind of pursue it, it sounds it sounds exactly like that. It sounds like you are one of those fortunate few that are able to pursue the thing that he loves as a means to, uh, you know, kind of fund his life as well. But was there ever a time um, where, uh, you know, you had challenges arise for you in that sort of uh, mindset? Like, did, did you go through the um, the archetypal, you know, I had to waiter here and then I had to ask somebody to cover my shift while I went and do, did an audition and stuff like that. I'm too good for waitering jobs, man. <laughs> been, no, no, of course, man, of course. That's, I mean, if you, acting is doing and acting is all about life's challenges. If you never challenge your life, if your life has never had any challenges, if you never had any heartbreaks, you've never meet death by the door so to speak um i don't know how you can bring alive a character i don't know how um how would you know how would you know to bring that i mean i've lived in the shittiest of all shit you know places um in new york city i lived in new york city i lived on top of a house it's a it was a um it was an it was supposed to be an attic you're not even supposed to rent that place out but I got it. You cannot stand up. Imagine living for years. I'm not talking a couple months, man. I'm talking years in an attic where you cannot spread your arms, nor can you stand. That's your home. I never knew back aches before that. And I never knew Jesus. the privilege of being able to spread your arms and to be comfortable. Not to mention how hot the summers were and how cold the winters were in Queens, New York, and all the the prostitutes that stood outside and in the whorehouse next door. Well, and what, I, what wish that was a joke. I wish I wish that was a joke to, to tell you guys. But if I if, if I had to show my mother where I lived in New York City just to just to be in New York, uh, I don't think I could. I have the courage to show her. But mm-hmm. you know what that said. You know, those are all. I was young, and I figured, you know what, this is what an artist got to do. You just got to do this. And looking back, I'm still grateful that I made those decisions to do that. Because if I didn't do that, if I didn't, if I didn't make my monthly expense all the way low to a point where you almost live for free, you won't have the freedom to pursue 
artistic adventures. You just wouldn't. You have you would have to go to work. You would have to get a job at a corporate office. You would have to do something to make ends meet, right? right. I just don't want to do that. I wanted to spend all of my time um, studying script, learning Stanislavski, you know, going to class, being with other actors, you know, going there to watch this guy paint, um, you know, that that wall in, in Soho. I, I wanted to go to another place to watch this other guy play the cello, you know, on top of a rooftop, and I wanted to go to the other this broken down theater to watch this Chinese guy do this this old Chinese play that didn't didn't have words. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to do all those things because that's that's what makes me feel alive. Um, so yeah, man, I was broke as fuck, dude. Still am. I'm in the attic right now, dude. <laughs> what? I, Leeway, I would love to see photos. I, if you have any of that attic, I, I think that's, yeah, that yeah. So text them to me. That might be the, the photo, uh, photo caption of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that That's crazy. And, and the, yeah, the, the funny thing is I never knew that about you. Um, yeah. you know, it, <laughs> you, we, we would always meet up to play ball and, you know, drink or whatever. And I, and I guess as part of the New York City lifestyle, you don't really go to each other's places anyway, right? Because sure. you're always out and about and experiencing things. Sorry, Jeff, we're talking about New York City again. I was you're, I was just I was you, just about to say there there he fucking goes again. You, just, you just... don't you don't get it, man. You just don't get it. It's a beautiful <laughs> place, though, Jeff. Like. <laughs> I, you know, I, I give it a bad image. I'm like, oh, it's so cold, and I'm so poor, and I'm so broke, and all that stuff. But man, you, if you, that's the best place to be broke. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you're so broke. You just go downstairs. You have beer with the rest of everybody. Everybody's downstairs drinking beer at the same bar, hanging out. No one's judging each other. You know? No, 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 no. Don't, don't worry. I just, I just realized for a moment there that I was fighting. Like this wasn't a fifty-fifty where I could just like rail against the meal anymore. He actually has allies in this conversation, so I'm just, I'm just feeling a little bit like the minority right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to some of these parts that you you picked up. I mean, uh, your IMDb has a lot of. Uh, films that you've been involved with you, you've done voice acting for video games uh, you've been in music videos by the way uh he uh, leeway was in a music video with david tao which is yeah yeah is pretty yeah cool. but right that you was, were um, wearing the beret and sunglasses though so it was a little right. hard to tell that was you but uh I, like, I i knew it was you that was actually uh, my very first um uh, booking ever um uh, my very very first booking and acting ever and and um when I got the job, um, well, I met David uh, before he, he was casting, and and I got a call back. And when I went back to the call back, there he was. He was David in the flesh. And you know, growing up as a Taiwanese kid, um, all the music that I listened to was Jay Chow, right, and then David Tao and, and the likes. And to to see him in the flesh was bizarre. It was amazing. Um, yeah. And he casted me right on the spot. Um, I think most. The only reason why he casted me was because I spoke English with a California accent because he was looking he, He's for, from Arcadia or something also, or he lived in Arcadia. That's right. He was a police yeah. officer. Did you know that? What? I did not I know that. that. Yeah, he was LAPD. That's hilarious. He's so yeah. skinny. And like, it, I know his parents are, are pretty famous actors. Like his dad was an actor. His mom was like an opera star or something. But, I think um, a or, or something. Yeah. No yeah. Arts. How do you end up as an LA? How do you end up 
LAPD. That's nuts. I don't know, but yeah, he definitely was LAPD. I talked to him a little bit about that, but yeah, I was. It was amazing to work on work with him on on set on that music video, and he put a lot of money into it. They, they had the the crane. They had a <clears throat> hundred extras. It was it was a huge production. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got to I got to meet him, and I even got to hang out with him during lunchtime because um, oh, nice. it was a, a whole week of shoot. And um, I just remember him telling me little things that nobody would ever know. For example, he'll say like, um, "Fucking paparazzi's never use flash. You never know that they're there because they don't use mm-hmm. flash." <laughs> and he's he's always like, "Check between the bushes because they're always between the fucking bushes." And I'm like, all right, David. I. Right. Like, he's like, yeah, don't don't trust nobody. Like, okay. Damn, damn, Tulsa, dude. Who yeah. knew he had so much? Uh, he was but such a philosopher. Sense. Yeah, but it makes sense though. You know, he's always like, yeah, they don't use light. I just remember that forever. He's like, anyway, how many buyong dunno? And then he goes, buyong dunno. That's how he talked, like Chinglish. Dude, dude, can, do you think he would want to be on the Ewang Bang podcast? <laughs> can, can, can you call him, call him up right now? Let's Skype him in. They're like, hey, yeah. David. You know, I bet you he probably would, man. I bet you he wouldn't mind it, dude. I, I don't keep in touch with him. Um, he did. <laughs> he was super nice. I have to admit, he's so kind and he's so yeah. nice, and yeah. he's he's a great musician in his own right, and yeah, he treats definitely. people on set and people in his team and his artistic team like family. Outside of it, because he's such a big star, I think there's a lot of things that he has to deal with um, that's outside of art, and I don't think he enjoys that very much. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know him that way. So I, I have to say I don't know him personally, but artistically, mm-hmm. he man, like the first moment I got to work with him to the very end, he he treated me like a brother. So I couldn't be more thankful for that opportunity. And you know film is uh we filmed it it's it's set in stone it's there for everybody to watch forever so i'm I'm grateful for the opportunity yeah that that's that's pretty cool and did, did that kind of uh i assume that was filmed in taiwan right or did they do that in la uh so they filmed it in taiwan to make it look like la <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they turned Tokyo on- drift <laughs> <laughs> i know right um the stories set in Los Angeles, but we were, uh, you know, in Taiwan, Taipei. I think the production cost is drastically lower if you oh, film. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't really need any permits or anything to just go ahead and start filming. So, <laughs> so that's what you guys just there. bum rushed the club and we're like, all right, <laughs> we're filming yeah, something we're in here. Every- extras. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool. Um, so some of your other roles that I that I've uh, looked into, Lily's Secret that was a uh, a short film that's on Amazon Prime right now, and then Ouroboros, which is only on YouTube right now, or is it also something that you can watch on other platforms? Um, did you say Ouroboros or Lily Secret? Yeah, oh, Ouroboros. Ouroboros, I believe, is on YouTube right now, so anybody can stream um, mm-hmm. that entire movie from beginning to end um lily's secret is on amazon prime for i believe 99 cents you know, pay 99 cents you'll be able to see my naked ass <laughs> yeah nice. buddy you're you're so we- America. <laughs> another asian guy's ass hey, nice. just contributing to representing us in the right light bro yeah, yeah. well it, you know you, your ass was a little dark too dark for my liking <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Oh, God, that again. Ice cold. (laughs) (laughs) 
Think about all those porno auditions you didn't get because ugh, they saw your work. I know, right? His ass is a little dark. Uh, that's <laughs> which, discrimination. Which... <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> which one was first? Uh, or, or, Ouroboros or uh, Lily's Secret? Ouroboros was first. And right okay. after that, I got the job for Lily's Secret. So, so tell me about Ouroboros because I remember you advertising on Facebook, and I never watched it until uh, until just a couple days ago. It's a the way I describe it is it's a almost like a buddy comedy about a a group of cousins that are doing a cross country road trip, but there's a kind of a more underlying dark theme that that unites them all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. Uh, all of you are very, very talented actors, and I was curious how did, how did you guys all find each other? I'm probably more talented than the rest of the cast, but um, let's, well, I'm just kidding. It, it seems like it. It seems like it. it. No, if, no, no, no. if they're not if they're not listening to this, then yeah, I, I strongly agree. Uh, that is my objective. That is my objective opinion. But... Uh, <laughs> um, Speak your truth, Leeway. <laughs> um, no, Ouroboros was is some that is i don't have any tattoos but it's tattooed in my heart forever mm-hmm. it's one of those projects that i've developed relationship with people that became family um i had such a deep um i guess i developed such a deep relationship with a lot of the people that's uh, associated with that film um you know over the years and, and i'll be friends with them for the rest of my life um and it's an indie film it's a it's i want to say pretty uh ambitious film that's what i'm trying to look yes yeah it's a very yes. ambitious film and it, what what they did was they had a production truck follow the actors the entire way from new york city all the way to los angeles so the, the oh, shoot so you guys actually made that trip yes Oh, oh yeah. damn! Yeah, I, there's oh. scenes of them in like St. Louis in front of the arch and stuff, which is which yeah, is but I, remarkable. No, I mean I just assumed that you flew there or uh, you know or or did did something else. But I um, mean we, we drove they 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 drove that production truck with us. They had two trucks, the actors in one, and then the production team in the other, and they just drove it from New York all the way to L.A. So you'll see. You'll see the actors. Um, our skin color is pretty light from, from New York, and then we start getting more and more tan as the scenes go on. And until the end of the movie, we're just really dark from the sun, from the from all of the Middle America sun. Um, yeah, it was such an incredible experience for me as an actor, as a performer, because I've never been a part of something so big and, and so lengthy. Um, yeah, I mean, we shot for for an entire month. I mean, that's a long production, and. Um, you know, obviously, from that you'll you'll develop relationship with people that last a la- lifetime. But I got to did, learn. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Did did having you guys you know stay in a car together kind of add to that that anxiety, the frustrations with each other? Because you no, know, funny. Uh, the director was hoping for that. That's what he yeah. wanted. To do. He, that's why he put us together in in one car, and he was hoping that. And in fact, he almost said he also said like, I kind of want to rip that air conditioning out of the car so that way oh that's messed up <laughs> right because that's what the part is for um i'm so glad he didn't do that but you know funny enough the actors we can't we couldn't hate each other we just liked each other from the get-go from the moment i met you know the other cast members arvin um chevy uh, and debbie um i just felt like man like we we, we probably would have been best friends if we went to the high same high school like the four of us um, we, yeah. we most likely would have. Our personalities just match like a gem, man. Like um, Debbie 
was like a sister to me after the movie. Um, Arvin, I still talk to today. When I moved back to L.A., he was the very first person that I contacted. The very first person. He's in L.A. as well pursuing um, 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 acting. And, and he has an, this incredible food network show that he's already producing right now. Um, but he was the first person that I you know, like I contacted and I wanted to talk to him. And Chevy uh, as well, and a close friend of mine. Uh, Arwin is the guy that you did lunch specials with also? That's right, Arvin. Arvin. Arvin, Arvin, yeah. That's yes, right. yes. Yes, yeah. so you can see that, you know, I, I became really close with him, and, and artistically we became close as well, and we had I had this idea um, of comedy sketches, I think. I, I kind of wanted to do something in between Key and Peele and, and The Chappelle Show, um, and I only wanted to use Asian Americans. I, I wanted to support Asian Americans actors. I wanted to support Asian American producers and writers and directors because we just don't see enough of that. Um, so I put, <laughs> yeah. And so I put a great deal of my own money in there. Um, and uh, we did some fundraising as well that covered a little bit of the costs. Um, and I basically just unloaded my entire bank account on that project. Um, so we had a great time filming it. And from that, I also met people that I have friendships with uh, for the rest of my life as well. So I guess that's that's what this business is really all about. You know, just making relationships, um, appreciating each other's struggle and, and fight for for the arts. And you're never bored. I'll tell you that. And going back to or Burroughs, I mean, I can tell that you guys are all really good friends. You guys get along. The the chemistry is there. And but like you said, it, it was very very ambitious. And I and I feel like. It was in so many different directions. Like it was kind of like supposed to be this buddy comedy, but it also kind of a gangster film. Also, also a film that touches on Asian American values. It was, it was trying to touch on so many things that I feel like in the end it didn't get to play to your guys' strengths. Mm. Like, and I, I wrote this in my, in my notes when I was watching it that there's a lot of zero to sixty moments where like. The scene just builds up so fast that, like, you know, there's a scene that you're you're in the desert, you start crying, um, you you cry like a little bitch, by the way. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. <laughs> uh, years to... and years of skills and training. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> no, it's very very sincere. It's it just happens, it it just happens so fast, and you know, and by by me saying that it. It happens so fast. It's not so much in the context of the scene, but I felt like you as this as this person who felt lost, that that almost wasn't developed a heck of a lot in the film. So when when I saw you crying, I was convinced that, yeah, you are seriously are a, you know, emotionally very, very lost. But it, it just put more questions into me. I, and I don't know if this makes any sense, but I, I think your your individual performances were so good that I was left with so many questions about each one of the characters. Like mm, uh, yeah. the one that plays Uncle Tong, yeah. like the main uncle who's your, your – spoiler alert, your dad. Yeah. Uh, he's fantastic, and, and I wanted to know more about him. Like who was he chopping up? Was he Was he chopping up? A person? I assume that was a person, or yeah. or was he just making dinner and people had to watch him make dinner? So right. Uh, 
it, there were just so many things that that w- there was just so much going on and and so many good performances that I was like, man, I, I wish I wish I knew more about these characters. And yeah, yeah, I agree you, with you. Um, I, I think the director at the time was hoping that this could become a trilogy. He was really hoping mm-hmm. that um, that the, the the story would take off with Asian Americans, and he was hoping that people would be drawn towards asking questions of. Why are the characters doing this? Why are the characters feeling this way? Um, and he he was hoping that all of the short little bits of every character can be developed in um, subsequent filming later on. If gotcha. this takes off, you know, if people generate enough interest in the characters, that was what he was really hoping for. It was a very big and very ambitious project by project by him, and one that he was hoping that he could work on for like ten years. You know, we we know that it didn't turn out this way. Maybe he'll pick it up later on, um, but that was really what he was hoping for. When that scene when Uncle Tong was chopping, by the way, the, the, the incredible actor Jeff Lee, that's his name. Um, yeah. He he lives in Chinatown. <clears throat> Sometimes I see. Yeah, by the way, Jeff, that's another neighborhood in New York City. Okay. <laughs> we have Chinatown here. You <laughs> you, you are ain't better than me. You mean all of Roland Heights? I got you. I got you. <laughs> Oh, Chinatown, New York. I could tell you guys. I could talk about that for a very long time. It's, <laughs> it's also my neighborhood. Um, but but he was phenomenal. I I thought his his screen presence, like, and, and again, like I would watch a whole movie about that guy. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what the director was really hoping for. And he was um, already talking about casting who to. Hello. Leeway. Oh. Oh no! Now I'm not on mute. I apologize. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, so yeah, um, it, it was very interesting that you say that because the director really was um, already discussing plans and, and hoping for a chance to maybe develop uh, Uncle Tong's uh, story, uh, how mm-hmm. what he was like when he was young. Um, he was already thinking about actors that can play Uncle Tong when he's young, um, and um, who knows? Maybe maybe he's going to pick it up later on. Maybe the story will continue. You know, that's his project, and hopefully, I, I hope I hope maybe that he can pick it up again in the future. But we never know. I mean, with the yeah. environment the way that it is now, uh, I, I I mean, there's a lot of content out there, but I mean, I feel as though kind of the way that the studios are are moving at this point is to look for series that you know are are encouraging diversity especially asian american diversity now so you know that that may open up sooner rather than later yeah you never know and i i, I think laura bros is a great story to tell you too. when the first time i read it before i got the part uh, i was i was just in love with the character i really was i, I talked to the director uh, al chang as his name and he worked on by the way al al chang he's worked on a lot of really great stuff the Chappelle show is one of them um but he he's a man that's um very family oriented um he loves his family very much he also has very humble and respect and love for his community the asian americans in new york city that is um and so i i i had the pleasure of hanging out with him uh, a bunch of times he he would take me to this diner next to his place in queens and we would talk for hours about stories about you know things that we can write about about asian americans about you know like what if we did this what if what if uh you know this this asian guy is doing that or the asian girls doing that this and um so we have some really incredible ideas as well so i'm, I'm very um eager to see what he comes up with next 
Well, I, I do hope you work with him again. And, and now hearing all this from you, it, it sounds like he he succeeded in the sense that he got me curious about each right. of these characters. It's just, yeah, how it played out is, is uh, very, very ambitious, as you said. And you say that one month of production or, you know, of shooting and production is, is a long time for me, you know, hearing your story of how you guys drove across the country and filmed all these scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like that might've been too short. Like th- there were, there were probably so many more things and so many other like, you know, so many uh, potential reshoots that you guys might have had time for if you had the budget and exactly. scheduling and all that. But, right. you know, to, exactly. to do a full movie that crosses the whole country mm-hmm. um, and makes stops in Oklahoma City and St. Louis and, the you know, New Mexico. You guys went to yeah, Albuquerque. Man. Yeah, um, man. Really Great food, deep. by the way. I was like, well, one thing, one problem I had with the movie is why the hell would someone want to eat sushi in Albuquerque? (laughs) (laughs) We changed it so! I was like... We probably didn't make a joke about that. That's funny, actually. I was going to say, like, is is the next scene going to be them, like, all trying to fight over the one bathroom at the rest stop or something? (laughs) Funny enough, that sushi restaurant in Albuquerque was damn good. Oh, was it? Wow, that was... One of the best sushis I've ever had in my life. I have to, uh, I have to admit, it's not as bad of a city as uh, as one would think. But again, you know, it must have been a super cool Jeff, experience. Jeff, like, Jeff, they have good Chinese food. They have good Chinese food in Albuquerque. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, book your tickets now. All better, right, better ahead. Chinese food in L.A., man. Better <laughs> than Rolling Nights, I'm telling you. <laughs> You you bite your tongue. You just got back, man. Green, green chili chow mein. That's oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, one thing we – Michelle and I went there, and uh, one thing we learned about New Mexico is they put green chili on everything. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, let, let's move into uh, your the big role that you got recently, Legion. Show on FX. Th- this is a comic book review – or comic book movie review podcast, so it is relevant Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but Legion is basically Xavier's son, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. That's correct. Yeah. And so, Professor Xavier recently made an appearance on uh, television again in Legion for the first time. Right. Yeah, it was Leeway. <laughs> right. They told me I was too dark for the little <laughs> sons of bitches. You, you, you went in with a shaved head and like yeah, and hopes and dreams. You're just like ah, sorry, man. Maybe I'm too dark. What is that supposed to mean? Well, yeah. Talk about talk about the the audition process and how how you got involved with this. Well, I was I was. This is back like late last year, uh, fall fall last year i just finished um i just finished filming a couple commercials at the time it was my management saying like you got to you need to pick up the phone you need to we need to talk he he was just saying um you know there's a production it's a big one um you might want to look at it i'll send you a script in five minutes you know get it ready yeah seek counseling what that means is seek an acting coach and uh, he wanted me to work with a specific acting coach um a great one his name is scott david here in uh, hollywood who trained a lot of the one of the best of the best and i didn't think much of it honestly and so at that time i was in a pretty actually to tell you child in a pretty low point in my self-esteem time dates aren't working out you know my personal life was kind of in shambles and here comes this phone call like i'm like yeah right universe sure so (laughs) 
I didn't take it too seriously. And let this be a lesson to anyone that's listened to, uh, listening to this. I didn't take it too seriously. I went home. First, I didn't seek counsel. I'm like, whatever. They're going to reject me anyways. Let me collect that rejection letter. So I just did the scene once, and I, I submitted a self-tape. And this is why management matters. If you're an actor and you have a manager that believes in you, thank the gods. Thank the stars. Whatever you believe in, thank them because you're so damn lucky. Because that, in my case, that that was the case. My manager told me he just said straight up leeway, and he was he's such a nice guy. He just goes, "This is not one of your strongest works. You know, I want you to seek this guy, Mr. David, and I want you to talk to him and just just talk to him for a couple of minutes and and see what you come up with." And I honestly, I waited a couple of days, and it's another terrible thing that I did. Um, still, continuously, still in my slump, in my low. Point and I'm just thinking, no, it's not me. It's not going to be me. All those negative thoughts. We call those bats, by the way, in acting school. It's bats, B-A-T-S, bad actor thoughts. So I have all these bats flying around in my mind. So I waited a couple of days, and then he followed up again, and I'm finally I said, all right, I'll talk to this guy, and then I video conference then with Scott, who's super nice, by the way, really open, really kind, and he just wants to help develop talent that's worth developing. And because of my manager, who has said some good things about me to him, that's why I'm lucky enough to have a few moments of his time because he's extremely busy. So I got on video call with him, and he walked me through what the show's about because I don't, I never, I've never watched Legion before. And he was like, and he just, you know, we we did some research together about the show, who the director was, who the writer was, what's the story about, what's the pacing, what's the, how are the characters develop on the show, where's the character's trajectory and the, the storyline, and where does my character, my potential character at the time, um, the character named Shu, H-X-I-U, his trajectory in the show. And so he went over it with me. And not only did he do that, he also helped me with, how do you present that character in front of a screen that is, you know, a rectangle that your audience only has a rectangle to be able to see you? How do you how do you gain emotion from that? And how do you portray that character and how do you drive his character thoughts there as well? Long story short, I guess uh, I, I, I really want to tell you guys all the little details because, you know, I'm very passionate about the subject, of course. But basically, Scott got me to a point where he says, OK, now you can submit it because this might most likely be what the, the casting is looking for. And then I sent it back and my management was super happy because they were like, wow, it's like night and day leeway. See, if you put in the work, <laughs> you, you so much better. I'm like, all right, fine. I figured, you know what? I did a good job. Most likely they're going to go with some other guy that's more handsome or whatever. Bats again flying around. Two weeks go by. I hear nothing. And I fly to L.A. I fly to L.A. I'm like, forget it. I fly to L.A. I'm going to go visit my parents for the holidays. By by now, it's the holidays. And I'm thinking, it's already been like two weeks, almost three weeks. I hear nothing. I forgot about it. And then... The moment I land in Los Angeles, I get like six voicemails on my phone. I'm like, what? What's going on here? And then that's when I found out, hey, man, they're really, uh, really seriously considering you for this part. Um, you know, you knocked them dead. It was exactly what they're looking for. And so that's why I think it's so important, again, if you're an actor listening to this, that you really have to trust your management. You really have to trust the eyes of your 
your acting coaches because it's not if it's not about if you're a good actor or a bad actor, if you're light skin or dark skin, or you're handsome or not handsome or old or young, whatever the fuck you are. It's not about you. It's about what the show is and what the character needs to contribute to the show to move the story along. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest actor in the world or the worst actor in the world. If you can portray it in the right way, the way that the production wants it to be, why would they not give you the job? They don't care. They're not going to go like, oh, just because this guy's represented by this person, therefore, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, that's not how it works. At the end of the day, everybody just wants to tell a great story. They want to show audience a fantastic time. Everybody works so hard nine to five. They get home. They want to turn on the TV. They just want to be entertained. In the same way, these production companies, they just want to do the best show possible for the audience. So if you have that mindset going forward, I think it'll be a little bit easier on your self-esteem, I think, in my experience. Um, So I got the part. They told me that um, they're seriously considering you. And then what that means is they'll... they'll, um, What's the word? Pinned you is what they call it. They pinned you. And what pinned means is that now your headshot is pinned on their wall as that character, if that character makes it to the show. And so now, now it's a funky time. Now I'm not allowed to do anything else. Now I don't audition for anything else. I don't uh, talk to anybody. I don't do anything. They send you the NDA. You sign it. You can't talk about it. Uh, But more important, you cannot work. Because they don't know when you're going to work. They don't know when they're gonna, you're going to be on set. But the point is you need to be available. You need to be in L.A. You need to be around this radius. You cannot leave. Um, so, you know, then I just stayed in L.A. I stayed in L.A. I kept waiting. They pinned, they pinned me. and But I still wasn't sure if they wanted that character on that show. Because the director wasn't even sure if young Shu uh, was going to go back in time and, you know, all this stuff. And so another... 20 days go by, I want to say. But by the way, I, that the no work clause is kind of nuts. Are, are they paying you to no. sit around and wait, or are you... <laughs> no. It's like, do you want this opportunity? This is how it works. God. Yeah, this is just how it works. But mind you, this is also how it works for the lead characters. For the biggest part to the smallest part, it's the same, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. So yeah. that's why they treat every character equally uh it's just that you know some characters have most of the screen time and some characters don't have a lot of screen time um but that's just how it is because they don't know as a writer you know they're 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 doing their best to kind of figure out how the flow of the story and and how the characters will interact with each other right um um so anyways it wasn't until the end of january that they finally said boom young shoe's going to be on it they're going back in time you're going to be on the show and of course, I was ecstatic. Um, I told then I told my parents. Well, that that I mean, I I, I have a million questions about the process. Your role is, um, well, I, I unfortunately don't watch the show either. So you you're am I your the only person here that watches this show? <laughs> Even I, I love this fucking show. Uh, this uh, is hey, great. It is a great show. It's a great show. <laughs> Yeah, but Leeway, your part is um, you're the father. I remember you explained it to me in person that you're you're going to be the you're the father of Switch. one of the characters. Right. Well, the the character is Switch's father, and um, the episode that I'm on is when the story goes back in time, and Professor X is a young man 
um, he meets his love as uh, meets the love of, of his life in the mental asylum because they both have um, they both ended up there. But Professor X, Charles, Charles Xavier, represents good. Right. He is somebody with special powers that always lean towards the good, lean towards the light, so to speak. Um, and his the love of his life doesn't. She's kind of very negative and she's, you know, chooses the dark side uh, when when shit hits the fan. Um, so that's the, you know, the pull between the two um, forces that had they have this child and the child is David. And David is, you know, we all know that he becomes Legion later on. Right. And so the whole show is kind of quote question. Does he lean towards Charles Xavier or does he lean towards his mother? So they you know, they have that push and pull and the story goes back in time. And all of a sudden there is this ghost or this creepy, hateful, vengeful Chinese guy on television around 40s, I guess. So it would be like World War Two. And so I think Asians are perceived kind of like the enemy at the time. And um, so all of a sudden you see this Asian guy on television that's kind of trying to hypnotize people and trying, trying to do something that's sinister. You could tell that's very sinister and you don't know why. And so it's really setting up to explain later on the episodes. You'll, you'll watch if you watch the show later on the episodes, they're going to explain a little bit more about Switch's backstory. Switch is a new character on the show and she's a time traveler. And because she can travel through time, you'll be able to go back in time and go forward to be able to see um, what Legion does or go back and try to prevent some stuff from happening. And then there's the paradox of can you really change time? Can you really change things for happening? Or is it just that we're all doomed for what what, our fate in this universe? So that's a play on that character and switch. Um, Her father is my character, which is Shu and, and he's not very proving of her daughter um he doesn't really pay attention to his daughter um and of course every daughter wishes the attention of their father and but he doesn't give it to them because he's he's too busy in his own self-absorbed egotistical world of his because he he's on tv he's a broadcaster he he's like anderson cooper so to speak and he just has all this power and he has he just just basically just doesn't give a fuck um, and that that kind of plays into Switch's character and the decision that drives her decisions uh, on the show. And you just have to basically watch the show to find out what decision does she make. Are there alternate and, and dimensions? Uh, <laughs> and dimensions, that's right. Did, yeah. did she survive Thanos' snap? All these okay. and more next uh, week on Legion. <laughs> So, and by the way, the uh, the actor actress for Switch is Lawrence High of Terrace House fame. Right. She's the one that stood up the fat kid for dinner. That's how I'm gonna. Wow. Yeah. you did your homework. Well, no, I I remember watching that episode because Michelle was watching it, and uh, I was like, man, what a bee! <laughs> like, like is that guy you know like planned this romantic dinner date, and she just straight up stood him up and we all know that terrace house is reality television so that's the person that lauren's high is so you know i, I hope you punch her in the face or is she <laughs> or is she just such a great actress to make everybody believe that oh wow layers wow lately i wanted to ask are, are you um 
so are, do you have more roles in the like later in the series or so yeah that's a great question um i don't think so i, I think um well we don't know we don't we know that legion ends in season three right uh, we know that mm-hmm. this show is going to end this is the last season um it's already confirmed um the the producer or the the creator of the show um no he decided that this is how legion ends that this is where the story should end only on season three it's pretty short but you know who knows i mean what if then there's a spinoff about switch if there's a spinoff about switch or if there's a story that centers around switch lawrence high's character um i believe her father is a pretty big character um he is the driving force to most of her decisions and he's a great influence to her thoughts and her feelings. And she's a time traveler. So if she's a time traveler, most likely she'll go back in time again mm-hmm. or go forward. And if she does, uh, I guess Shu needs to show up as a young person. And if that time comes, uh, my character would show up again. But I don't know. Um, none of us know. Um, I think it's really mm-hmm. up to the writers about what they, where they want to go with this, this show. Do they have a spinoff about you know another character on the show i don't know so so we will have to see and i think it really did i think it really hinges on how the audience takes on this season of legion and how the audience reaction to it if it's a cult following i i definitely could see a spin-off happening in the next five years or so um i mean if there's garnered enough interest i believe uh, i'm sure the producers will be like okay let's go find the money let's go find the money and make it so and if that happens it's amazing but if not it's all good i'm sure something great is going to come along that will require my expertise so we'll see man i I could talk to you about this all day but i I am worried that this episode is going a little bit long so i I did you could edit (laughs) don't worry anyway if anything ends up on the cutting room floor, it's going to be my parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, by the end of this, it's going to be like, yeah, I did a podcast with by you, myself. Right? Jeff Lou. Yeah, Jeff was. When are we going to talk about the Lakers? That's 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 what I'm waiting for. That's the whole reason I'm on this podcast. I mean, this whole hour we've been talking about my my tiny career that <laughs> nobody that's, ever knows. That, you got to come back for Sunday dog. When, uh, when James Leo was on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, b-ball guy, uh, we'll, we'll probably do another episode later on talking uh, free agency. So leeway, we'll definitely have you on that. Um, but I will keep the focus to acting today. And I, I did want to wrap this up sure. with talking about Asians in film. It, it's a, it's a reoccurring theme on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Jeff and I talk about it to nauseum. We did an episode about Crazy Rich Asians. We've talked about Ghost in the Shell. We've talked about Shang-Chi, which both Jeff and I are really pumped about. I- I'm curious for you, Leeway, just because, you know, as somebody who's trying to make it in the industry, number one, how important is it that Asian uh, Asian Americans are relevant uh, in film and do you think Hollywood has done a good job so far in, in being a part of that? Is it important for Asian Americans to be uh, in mainstream media? Absolutely. Fucking lutely. Extremely. Growing up in the United States, uh, I didn't have any Asian American heroes on television yep. that I've seen. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you guys have. Um, and and the, the fact that it, there, there wasn't any 
that insanity happened, that I cried myself to bed because I was so happy to see that. Then I realized, why the fuck am I crying? He's just a basketball player. And but that's that's a significant. Hey, hey, hey. He's also a Harvard graduate. There you go. There you go. But, but how, that's the most important part. Yeah. But how how is it how isn't that how why is Jeremy Lin even a thing? The guy can't he, he's not even starting for an NBA team. He didn't play like he played play what, fifty two seconds in the finals? As a hey, fact, those fifty two seconds that he dribbled out to shot exactly, clock were the but, most memorable of the NBA finals. Exactly, but as a basketball fan, objectively <laughs> thinking, objectively, you would say He's not that important. He's just a backup player. It is what it is, right? But he's not. He's a phenomenon. He's, he's, he represents so much more. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm sad that Jeremy Lin stands for so much more. I'm sad about that. And I'll tell you why. It's because he shouldn't stand for so much more. We should be so normalized to a point where like, yeah, he's Asian. So what? But he's not a starting player. It needs to be like that. It needs to be like that in this country. It needs to be to a point where we don't glorify people or discriminate people because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity. It needs to be the content of the character. It needs to be what they do, their expertise. So is it important for Asian Americans to be represented in pop culture? Fuck yeah, man. And we need more. And I don't think that we ha- I don't think that we can keep begging Hollywood to make movies about Asian Americans. I don't think we can keep doing these things. I-, I think we need to make projects. I think we need to take the responsibility uh, in our community to not look at artists like artists. Oh, you're not a doctor or lawyer. Therefore, you, you know, you're one parents, Asian parents. Stop condemning your children just because they're artists, just because they're weird, just because they're strange, just because they don't want to be a doctor doesn't mean that they're not the loved ones. You know what I mean? Um, so it really has to come down to our community. It has to come down to who we are as a community. We need to stand up and take control and make movies and make things happen and make ourselves normalized in this country that we live in. That is our country so that we're not just yeah. a small little portion of our community but instead we are part of the bigger picture we're part of this entire beautiful country yeah and jeff i'll i know you have thoughts on this i'll let you jump in after me but uh, one thing i i think that's really interesting that what you said that i i overemphasize a lot of times is we can't glorify something just because it's asian right like and leeway you and i have talked about this Crazy Rich Asians, very average movie, and we're glorifying it because it was it was it was a movie starring a bunch of Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, like, I think it's a shitty movie, but at best, it's a it's it's average. I don't think it's a shitty movie. I thought it was fun. I I laughed a little, but you're right. It's not the greatest movie. It's not The Godfather. You know, it's not something the cinematic community is going to go. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. Remember Crazy Rich right. Asians in 2018 right. like that. And and I, I, I completely back that, um, you know, the, the change does need to start from within. If we want it to if we want to leave our market, it, it's a cultural thing that does need to change. 
And hopefully that leads to us being able to objectively judge, you know, um, Asian American basketball players as how good of a basketball player they are and not, oh, he's good good because he's Asian or he's great for an Asian guy. That's right. Yeah. Jeff Liu. Oh the floor is yours. I, I mean I, I hear exactly what you two are, are saying, but I mean, on the same note, you can't normalize without making a fuss about it because we're we're so low on the spectrum right now. You know, or not not this exact moment, you know. This exact moment we're trending because because of crazy rotations, because of films like that, because of Aquafina's uh the goodbye that's coming out, you know, like Boo. The, farewell. The, the farewell. The farewell. The farewell. Uh you you we we talked about this on Wednesday. You said you were I, excited to see <laughs> I'm not I'm not excited to see it. I'm saying if it ends up on a streaming platform, I will watch it. Okay. Because it's well reviewed. But, but yeah, go but, on. But in go any on. case, like you cannot have that level of adjustment. You can't have that level of normalization until you have some sort of profile there. I mean, I I, I don't know if you guys um, saw the recent trailer uh, for Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu. That looks like a movie I would never watch because <laughs> I, I have no interest in it. But – Hey, is that the movie that Constance Wu was pissed about? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. no. Const- <laughs> was that the project she wanted she, to do? She already did. She did the, the project. It's already been filmed. You know, oh, like oh, er- okay. everything's done on it. But that's that's what I'm saying. Regardless of your opinion on like Constance Wu at this point, her character in this film is not, you know, a it, it, she's not being singled out for her Asianness. Okay, but she is a legitimate star or co-star to jennifer lopez at this point you know and nobody is batting an eye and i think that is necessary you know because something had to propel her to that moment where she's not considered just an asian star anymore she's just a star you know like always be my maybe is a good example of that you know more and more people are kind of being like oh Keanu Reeves is in this, so they're you know they lend some credence to it a little bit. There's like a credibility to the film because of the name recognition of it, and more and more Randall Park and Ali Wong, those guys are becoming more and more household names. Not just because of the fact that they are Asian. They did this Asian movie. Yes, they totally did that. They totally played on the like minute detail that Keanu Reeves is part Asian. Sure. You know, they're driving all of this diversity into that base. Absolutely. But without that level of exposure in there, nobody's looking at them as a serious threat or like a serious issue, you know, like or a serious thing. Randall Park's been like playing bit roles for years at this point. You know, he's been getting nothing but like, you know, middle of the road. Hey, he's a good Asian kid sort of thing. Everything that he does, which is infuriating to me because he's actually a very decent actor. He just hasn't been able to like step step past that that moment, because honestly, frankly speaking, he's been typecast, you know, Ken. Well, he he shot himself in the foot by being on Fresh Off the Boat. But see, that's that's show. the thing. How how did he shoot himself in the foot if that's the only opportunity that's afforded well, to? Well, I mean, he was I mean, he was Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un. He you know uh, he's in Ant Man or whatever. I mean, I I, I see okay. what you're saying, but yeah. I don't think he's like 
he but he's not he's not getting captain. offered Top Gun too. You know what I'm saying? He's not getting he's well, not getting no. But that's what I'm saying. He's not getting offered Mission Impossible. He's not getting offered those things. You know, right. and if it mm. is generally something that is being offered, like come on now, like Sandra Oh was talking about this at like um Ugh. the no 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 don't don't do that man come on like when when we're talking about whitewashing and typecasting and all that sort of stuff the asian actors the people who are actors of asian descent who are given roles at this point are given mediocre roles and even if the role calls for an asian actor it's given it's sometimes given to somebody who's not asian that's why scarlett johansson was in ghost in the shell that's why emma stone for as much as she's apologized was in was in uh aloha this is this is something that's happening this is why you know another another actress was uh was in the role for the martian when it was calling for like i think it was a korean american Korean right right right. so So, yeah that's exactly what 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 i that's exactly what i mean i i do mean that that's why we need to take we need to take control of the community. We need to come out with projects. We need to write more. And we in the community needs to look at art and look at pursuit of the art as something that's normal. Because for such a long time, when we look at the media, we don't see anyone with Asian American face. We don't see anybody exactly. of our ethnicity. So then we, we immediately think, and you know, I'm sure you, both of you guys have Asian parents, just like mine. If they see something that doesn't have a good uh, return of investment ROI for them, they're not yeah. going to tell their children to go pursue it. And that is absolutely inc- that's absolutely wrong because it's, it's hundreds of years of doing this. That yeah. is why we are where we are today. I'm not yeah. saying that I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Randall Park, uh, you, you should have been considered for Top Gun or whatever. And you're absolutely correct. He's not going to be offered that. But what if he, if, what if there's a film about an Asian guy that exactly. drives a F-12? I don't know. What if there's an Asian yeah. guy that's uh, uh, fucking gone in 90 seconds? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hold, hold, hold up. Hold up. Hold up for a second, okay? Leeway, just to point out, we still Asian, so if it's gone in any amount of seconds, it's going to be like 50, 59 seconds, okay? Uh, you're we're super nice. For me, one, for me it's gone in 12 better. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're completely right. Even in the attic, exactly. Like Twelve seconds. Oh, the attic is seven seconds, baby. <laughs> I don't waste time, baby. But we need to, as a community, we really need to uh, be continue to be be supportive of of this. Because let me let me tell you guys, man. We we live once. That's it. That's all we got. Once. Yep. After we're here in the blink of an eye, we're just a little tiny light that shines a little bit and then we're gone. During that time that you shine, um, if we don't pave the way for, for the next generation, we don't pave the way for, for the ones that come after us, then, then why the hell did we shine and live in the first place? So you, you have to – we really have to as a community really normalize the fact that we can be movie stars, that we can be astronauts, that we can do this, we can do that. We could be the president of the United States. We could be anything that we set our minds to, not because of, not bounded by the the color of our, of our skin or our ethnicity. And so that one day, that we don't have to go and make fun of Emma Stone because she took that part, because Emma would have known in her world, 
And I'm sure she grew up, she probably didn't grow up with a lot of Asian Americans. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But to a point where she would know that before she even took the part and go, what? No, I would never do that. But the fact that she didn't know, or Scarlett Johansson, or the guy who played Goku in that terrible Dragon Ball movie, (laughs) that they would go, what? Of course not. You know, because, Mm. because of this and this and this, because I've experienced it in school, because growing up, this was the way it was. So it really needs to start in a community. I don't, I don't think the blame, I know, I don't know if I'm going to get flack for this, but I don't think the blame is on Hollywood. Hollywood is just trying to make money. They don't give a damn about anybody's community. Asians need, Asians need to start controlling the means. Right. But Hollywood will respond to communities. They will, because the moment that their money drops, they will listen. The moment that they see something that they can make money on, they will listen. That's that's who they are. And we can't keep going, oh, Hollywood, hashtag Hollywood is so white, or hashtag why isn't there's more representative in Hollywood? Well, because in our own community, we're divided. Yeah. And so I hope if you could take anything from, from my experience, I hope that we it starts with us and it starts within our communities. So yeah. So what I'm hearing is Leeway, me, you, and Jeff Liu have to have to make a movie. Gone in 17 uh, seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Directed, written, star, background, produced, executive produced by all three of us. All right. Background vocals by Leeway. Sex scenes by Leeway. Editing by Leeway. <laughs> but I, but uh, I'm the stunt ass. Yeah. I'm the uh, <laughs> because yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's America's little... ass right there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, That's, there you go. <laughs> oh man, Th- Leeway, this this has been so awesome, and you know, I'll be honest, Jeff Liu and I have been looking forward to this all week. So, really appreciate you coming on this pod. You're a different voice, you're a different perspective uh, that I think you know my my five listeners could uh, really appreciate okay, hearing. So, all right, folks. Well, this is the Wang Bang podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang. This is Lee Wei. This is Jeff Liu. Keep on, Keep on banging. banging. 17 seconds. <laughs> God, it's like 17 seconds. That's right. <laughs>